Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Swalcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we look into the latest industry statistics. We're not being mean, things are definitely below average. We didn't think we'd ever be interested in statistics, but then we came to our senses. Yes, APRA's quarterly general insurance statistics are out. We check the numbers, the facts, and the statistics, but we draw a line at graphing the record premiums increases last year. Statistically speaking, six out of 10 statistics are wrong, including this one, but not the concerning figures from the bonus chapter of the Vero SME Index. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by editor John Deeks, deputy editor Wendy Pugh, and because it's all about the numbers, we brought in the big guns. It's senior journalist, number cruncher, Bernice Han. Good morning, Bernice. Morning, Andrew and everyone. Hello, John. Hello. Terry's just another statistic, isn't he? Yes. So he's gone down with the dreaded COVID, but we're ploughing on without our without our great leader. <laughs> well, we have a new leader. The king is dead. Long live the king. Hello, Wendy. Oh, good morning, Andrew. Are you our new fearless leader? I think it might be John. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, on to the main stories this week. So APRA's quarterly general insurance statistics are out, Bernice. And perhaps not surprisingly, the floods have taken their toll. Uh, yes, they have indeed taken a toll on the industry. So the numbers from APRA show that um, general insurers actually lost about 428 million net loss, that is, in the first three months of the year. So it just shows the extent of the impact of the record-breaking floods on the industry. And in the prior December quarter, they actually made, they were actually profitable, making about 100 million in all. And APRA says because of the floods, um, gross incurred claims significantly worsened during the quarter, going up by about 48% to some $15.4 billion. That just about sums up the March quarter for the uh, insurance industry. Well, I thought we were promised the profitability would improve this year, John. Yes, that's right. If you remember back in October when we discussed Finity's Optima report where they look at the profitability of the industry. We'd gone from bad to worse last year and return on equity was down to 2%. But Finity said that we should have a rebound this year. But of course, that is dependent on, on weather events. And it seems like the industry can't catch a break at the moment following on from the COVID business interruption disruptions we now we now have uh, natural catastrophes and record breaking flooding to deal with so i guess you know we we'll have to wait and see how it all comes out in the wash so to speak but we might not get the rebound we were hoping for comes out in the wash there's a better pun than me well sticking with the floods wendy insurers are starting to put submissions through to a number of flood inquiries that are underway yeah, well, the um, New South Wales government uh, has called an independent inquiry and there's a parliamentary one underway as well. So submissions from ICA and IAG uh, have supported the idea of government funding for managed retreats from high-risk locations. And in looking to the future, they're also wanting improved land use planning and more um, stringent building and construction codes that um, you know better target the, um, the uh, flood risk. So the, the concept of planning for a one in 100 year flood, you know, doesn't go far enough. And ICA has been saying for a while also that the National Construction Code should be amended. So um, property durability and resilience is, is one of its uh, central planks. Do you think insurers will be listened to, John? Well, you would hope so, wouldn't you? It, it seems like insurers have been saying these kinds of things for a very long time and not an awful lot has been done. But these record-breaking floods do seem to have shifted the landscape somewhat in terms of politicians listening 
to what they're being told. So you would hope that coming out of these inquiries and what the insurance industry is saying will be taken on board because really who's closer who's closer to this stuff than insurers they get to see you know very close up the damage that these kinds of events can do and they would know better than anyone really because of the data that they collect how best to approach these issues in future well benice you also covered a report this week that shows premiums last year increased at the fastest rate this century yes um according to the global insurance report by allianz um property and casualty premiums in australia um went up 11.2 percent last year to 32.1 billion euros or 48.3 billion Australian dollars. And uh, what Allianz told us was that the 11.2% represents the fastest increase this century. And by 2032 or in 10 years' time, premiums are expected to have increased to 49.1 billion euros or 74 billion Australian dollars. And for this year, Allianz is it's expecting the growth trend to normalize to about 5.1%. So what has happened in Australia, according to Allianz, is that the frequency and intensity of natural catastrophe events, such as the floods and bushfires in 2019-20, they are putting reinsurance and reinsurance premiums. And of course, right now we have the um, pressure on premiums coming through from claims inflation. So the trend is looking heading north for uh, PNC premiums, according to Allianz. Well, John, I thought we were told that the uh, we'd already bottomed out or topped out of the uh, the hard market. Yes, that's right. We, we discussed the Marsh uh, quarterly commercial index quite regularly on this podcast, don't we? And, and we've been told for a while now the speed of premium rises had been slowing. So it doesn't quite tally with this report, which says, I think, uh, that, that last year's 11 point something percent increase was the biggest for this century. But I guess the Allianz report is looking back away, whereas the Marsh one is is perhaps more bang up to date. And yeah, I, I, I think um, the, the impact of the floods will have to be taken into account as well as we go forward. But certainly anecdotally, we heard from quite a few places that uh, particularly if you aren't a flood risk or a bushfire risk, then you can expect your property premiums to be slowing down in terms of how fast they're going up. But they are still going up. So um, it's not exactly easy street for clients, but hopefully that pressure, as Allianz says, from last year will, will be slowing down this year. With a hard market, I mean, is that really just premium costs and premium costs rising? Or is it also about risk appetite and availability? Yeah, I guess it's everything. I mean, so when we talk about a hard market, yes, we're talking about premium prices going up and it, it being more difficult to find cover and terms and conditions perhaps being restricted as well. And the causes for that are very, very broad. Locally, you can look at natural catastrophes. Globally, you can look at the reinsurance market and what's going on there. And of course, investment income as well. If, if insurers aren't making money on their investments, then they have to make the underwriting profitable, which often means putting premiums up. So yeah, we, we talk about the insurance cycle. And as we've discussed before, we may not flip into the soft market that some insurance clients would want. Some are saying that this is the new normal, as it were, and it may the rises may slow down, but they're not going to go away completely. Now, Wendy, you regularly cover the Vero SME index. You told me Vero had released a, a bonus chapter. Can you summarise it so I don't have to read it? Yes. Um, well, this one focuses on attitudes to risk uh, and it looks at levels of cover 
and risk of underinsurance and also the areas that matter most to SMEs. But concerningly, it, it uncovers a high degree of uh, complacency. So over half of SMEs say they aren't completely covered for all business risks. So to understand the extent to which the SMEs have thought through the consequences of this risk acceptance, they were asked, you know, what they would do in the case of a major negative incident for their business. Uh, and over a third indicated they didn't have a plan if the worst was, was to happen. Uh, 34% didn't believe their business would incur losses that would cause a problem. And, and 30% said they just simply hadn't thought about it. Those sound quite concerning figures, John. Yes, I think so. None of us like to think about the worst happening, but sometimes it does, as we've seen across the country. And when you look at something like the floods, those people who had insurance are still having a tough time, but they're, they're a lot better off than those who didn't have the insurance cover that they needed. So you, you have got to look ahead as a small business owner and, and, and really consider worst case scenarios and what would happen. So yeah, 30%, was it not even thinking about it is is concerning. And I guess on the positive side, you could say it's it's an opportunity for, for brokers to get in there and 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 use their expertise and actually put these people in a much better position. Well, I wonder if it's perhaps a, a symptom of the hard market being hard for so long. Well, this isn't the only podcast to be talking about the SME index, is it? No, that's right, Andrew. As you know, we've we've done a feature podcast on the index in association with Vero. And you can listen to that piece on our website. If you search it up on our website or go to the Insight podcast page. And the, we're doing a series of episodes about this year's index and what it found. And the first one features broker value specifically. And there's pretty interesting chat with Resilium, M, Resilium MD, Ben Hasty and Kathy Platakis from Vero. So uh, yeah, go, go find that podcast and have a listen. Finally, John, our analysis recaps on some of the most popular AFCA rulings that we've reported so far this year. Can you give us the rundown? Yes, that's right. So people who get our daily news service will, will see that we regularly summarise determinations that are made by AFCA. For those that don't know, AFCA, the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, is a dispute resolution service that customers of financial services companies can go to. It's free for them. And if it can't be resolved, the, the complaint will go all the way to an AFCA determination where they get an ombudsman or a panel to make a decision. Now, with general insurance, they, they tackle about 17,000 complaints each year. And most of them are to do with claims. But we we, we summarise some of the key decisions. And they're, they're some of the most popular stories on our website. Uh, so we thought we'd just do a, a wrap up of the five most popular AFCA rulings that we've published this year so far. So go on our website, you can read the analysis piece, which summarizes those articles and links to them. A lot of them are about motor insurance. For some reason, that seems to strike a particular chord. There's the guy who drank whiskey and then crashed his car, but uh, AFCA found that the alcohol hadn't interfered with his driving. So, so that claim had to be paid. There was another chap whose daughter crashed his car and she was under 25 and the policy excluded drivers under that age. But he argued that something went wrong when he bought his insurance and that meant he couldn't select the extra to include 
under 25. So AFCA didn't buy it. There was no evidence to back that up. So that, that's just a couple. Go on the website and you can read more. For those of you that don't get the daily updates, it will be fascinating reading, I'm sure. Why do you think they're such a hit with the readers? I think they're just interesting. First of all, everybody likes a good argument, don't they? So they're interesting. They touch on things that affect our daily lives, like our motor insurance, our home insurance. And for industry professionals, they really get to the core of some of those key issues about exclusions, the duty of disclosure, and all those sort of key issues that crop up when claims get denied. So I think for industry professionals, it's really interesting to understand AFCA's thinking so that they can apply that to, to the way they deal with claims, because there's no point declining a claim if you know that once it goes off to AFCA, it's going to get overruled. Thanks, John. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Wendy Pugh and Benice Han. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week. Bye.